and welcome everybody back to another episode of Skip the Lou. I am Lacey Lou, and with me is my sister from the Slumber Party Massacre as well, Nikki K. What's up, Nikki? Hey, sister. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, just uh, having a little bit of a Halloween hangover, a little sad the month's over. Yeah, me too. It went by really fast. It did. I was really busy in that month, but... Um, I feel like I did a lot of fun things, but I feel like I could have done a lot more. But I'm really looking forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas this year as well. Oh, same. Definitely got a lot of things, fun things planned for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, that car obviously is racing to Christmas. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is our third and final episode of our 31 Days of Halloween 22 Shots Challenge. Did you feel like this selection of films was the best, or? Yeah, actually, I had the highest ratings for this selection of films. Yeah, I really enjoyed these movies in this one for the most part. Um, but I think my favorite film actually came from our first batch. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that later. So, <laughs> just want to get right into the thick of things here? Sure. All right, what was your day 21 challenge? My day 21 was a giant monster movie. So, I chose to watch the movie The Host from 2006, it was a first-time watch, directed by Bong Joon-ho, the country was South Korea, and it had an IMDb rating of 7.1 out of 10. And actually, almost all of these watches had the highest IMDb ratings that I've seen. <laughs> uh, the film follows, in the very beginning, there's like this military base, and the... The, there's two men working on these hazardous w- with these hazardous chemicals, and they one of them kind of forces the other man to start dumping all of these chemicals down the drain, which it leaks into the the water, and over time this giant monster kind of <laughs> comes to life and starts wreaking havoc on the town of these people. And it's a really interesting story because the people in the in the city, they kind of take to the situation like it's a virus, very similar to that of COVID. Like, it, it's very reminiscent of what we've been experiencing. Like, people are wearing masks. They talk about misinformation in the news and people just spreading misinformation. And it was a very intense film. I I did enjoy watching it. I just thought it was kind of strange how it, this was filmed in 2006 and had those same types of narratives that have been going on now. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but that's by the same guy who did uh, Parasite, right? Yes. Which I really liked Parasite a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of really intense scenes with the giant monster. And, the, like, one thing that's really cool 
and I thought they did a really good job with uh, filming was how the monster would use its tail to pick up its victims and would and what the monster does is actually take its victims to this tunnel and like drops them down in this tunnel and then just feasts on them when it's hungry. And the story actually follows this family and their the youngest girl in the family gets abducted by this giant monster. And that's another part of the story where you see her in this tunnel, like trying to tiptoe around this monster and not get eaten by it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I haven't seen it, but um, it's definitely been on my watch list for a while, so I may have to check that out sooner than later. What did you rate it? I gave it a three out of five. It, It wasn't a perfect film in my eyes, but it definitely... I mean, if, if it wasn't for this movie challenge, it's not something that I would have gravitated towards. So I appreciate that I had the opportunity to watch it. And I do think that the director of this film, Bong Joon-ho, is very talented. And I'm excited to see what he creates in the future. Right on. My day 21, um, I chose to give... Um, the challenge um, a shot to uh, film my a second chance to a film that I didn't like the first time mm-hmm. and that film was and you know me I love Wes Craven but the first time I watched this movie I didn't love it and uh, that film was my soul to take mm, I think I've only seen that one time <laughs> yeah I just wasn't a fan of it when I first watched it so I thought it might be good to revisit it's um it's a very convoluted plot um it's about this um about these kids that were born on the day that this dude with multiple souls and personalities died um and they he has like seven he's like seven different souls or something and they (laughs) all get implemented into um each of the children and so every year they have to uh like they have like a ritual or something. I watched this like 10 days ago, so it's not as fresh in my memory, but um, (laughs) I did, I did enjoy it more this time. Um, You know, I was like trying to think, I was like, all right, where's Wes Craven's touch on this film? And it's the very end. Um, And the thing about Wes Craven films is his, his movies have heart in them. Um, Not a lot of horror directors. I feel like have those like touching moments in films, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like, The People Under the Stairs has, you know, like, those heartfelt moments of where, you know, Fool overcomes, um, you know, and goes back into the house, and, you know, he's, he goes back for the little girl, and, um, you know, there's just a lot of, the roach scenes as well, like, there's just, there's just moments filled with, like, hope and, like, friendship and love, and I feel like that's what you know, Wes Craven was really good at, and he did that as really well in the end of this film, too. And, um, you know, like, look at the relationship between Sidney and Dewey and all the screams. Like, his movies just have a lot of heart in them, and that's what I look for in a Wes Craven film, and I definitely got it in this. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's still not, like, the best plot-wise, but I did enjoy it for that. Yeah, that's something that Wes Craven really does understand. And what I've come to learn is that when it comes to horror, 
the ones that have done the best, they have like this three-step formula. The one is where within the film, they're like the the main star finds allies and you see that human connection and you're rooting for them to typically, uh, you know, save the day. Yeah. The second, the second is like, uh, like feelings of authenticity and just like being oneself. And I feel like Wes Craven probably, touched on a lot of his own personal experiences that he put into the film. And that's what makes his stories come to life. The authenticity that comes from the film, like not being afraid to dive into the darkness and shine light on certain things. And the third is an element of humor within the horror, because when you're watching something really, really dark it can get easy to go, okay, is is there a light at the end of the tunnel here? Like some movies aren't, you know, made to do that. But what I've seen is that um, the most successful ones have all three of those elements. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, for my rating for my soul to take, I am going to go with a three. So I think it was like originally like a 1.5. So it went up quite a bit. That's pretty high. Yeah, I mean, it's middle of the road, but yeah, it's it's an enjoyable, like, popcorn flick. I mean, it it does drag a little bit, but like I said, I, I liked it for the ending, and um, I see what he was trying to do, uh, though a lot of people probably don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, what's day 22? Day 22, I watched a urban film, and I chose the 2021 film Candyman. It's a first-time watch directed by Nia DaCosta, or Uh Nia DaCosta. Country was in United States and Canada, and it had a 6 out of 10 rating on IMDb. So this story follows a little, I mean, pretty much the the same formula as the one in the 90s. And I actually did like the one in the 90s a little bit better So, and I'll tell you why here. So, there is this murderous man with a hook. And when you say his name five times in the mirror, he appears and apparently will kill you. So, the new one follows the formula of that to a certain degree. But this film, as opposed to the one in the 90s, was definitely more an expression of anger in regards to racism and all of the situations that we'd seen transpire between police officers and people of color. And it's no coincidence that on, you know, the tagline for the film is say it. This is very reminiscent of say their names like Brianna Taylor. And I, I really appreciated what they did with this film. It's just that I, I see this one as more of an expression of anger and it is meant to trigger that anger in people and kind of bring light to those feelings Whereas in the one in the 90s, this one felt more like there was hope and that 
of, you know, you know, unity between races and how, because if you haven't seen it, it's at, there's a very, there's a scene at the end that has to do with this, um, this pile of rubbish that like was lit on fire and like, there's a very powerful scene with, um, a woman and a baby and, I thought that that scene very much represented unity and provided a lot of hope. Whereas in the new one, it felt more of an expression of anger. And I didn't feel that same hope from it, which I can still appreciate the expression of the anger, but it was nice to know in the, the nineties film that there could potentially we could get to that that place of unity with one another and but, love. But I think that's the point, though, at the same time, is there is that hope, but nothing changed in the world between then and, you know, it got worse um, into some capacity. So it was, it's that expression. And um, that's, you know, I, I don't think it should be faulted for that. The new one? Yeah. I'm not faulting it. Well, yeah, but you're I, saying that's what you... you you know, you liked the hope in the first one better, which I can appreciate. But I'm saying that this film was made um, not just because of what was going on, but, um, you know, it is a direct sequel, which a lot of people didn't understand. Um, you know, and it was the, the problem is uh, I thought it it's not a problem. Um, what I liked about it was the fact that, you know, it became Helen Lyle's story who was shutting down Candyman and it became about her. And not about what really happened to um, Tony Todd's character, um, Robentine. Um, I can't think of his first name right at the moment. But, um, yeah, his character arc. And so it became about Helen Lyle. And in this one, it, it's more than just one Candyman. Like, these acts happen and it needs to be brought awareness to. And some people appreciate, you know, social commentary and then others, you know, this was a very divisive film for a lot of people. Um, some said it just beat you two in the head with it. Um, I disagree. I thought it was subtly done. Um, I don't think that it was over the top gory. Um, I did go see it twice and I had a greater uh, found appreciation for it on my second rewatch. See, for me, I'm not faulting it at all. I appreciate that it is expressing the anger. It's just that I feel that it still is focusing more on the separation aspect than the unity that we need to come. But it, to be honest, the awareness has to come first. So that's why I appreciate this film and the anger that... I would I would definitely be curious to see what they would do if they do another film. I mean, this movie crushed box office records, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, which that's amazing um, considering like how I think this is the film that actually brought theaters a little bit back to life. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't see it in the theater, but um, it would have definitely been a cool experience. Yeah, it was the first film we went back and seen at Flix, so um, we weren't feeling well at that time, though, so I think that had a lot to do with my distaste, where I wasn't impressed with it the first time, and then I came home and I rewatched the OG, and then we went back and seen it, and it was, like, a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. So I definitely appreciated it, and I liked the subtext, and I don't care 
I liked it. I Like I said, it's one of those films that I think the more I think about it, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that will happen to you. Yeah, I mean, I only watched it one time. Anthony watched it with me, and he really liked it, too. But so, we both... We both liked the the one from the 90s better, though. Well, I definitely like the one from the 90s better as well. It just has, like, that somber music. The score to that is just amazing. Well, and in the first one, they did a really good job of the, the dynamic between Candyman and Helen and how her descent into what he was causing her to do. You didn't really get that same dynamic in this one like when you see her like wake up in this apartment with all of this like (laughs) blood on her blood on her not knowing what's going on it was definitely that that would creep me the fuck out (laughs) and nobody believes her that it's the candy man yeah and I thought it was kind of it it was a very cool take on flipping the roles between, you know, what, I mean, it was showing what racism looked like, but also kind of in a sense flipping the roles and putting someone in someone else's shoes. Yeah, I don't think the movie would have been as effective had it been like a white male, like Hector Lyle. (laughs) I agree. I think having a woman it really, like, blew people away. Yeah, it's definitely um, underappreciated in some capacity, I believe, because everybody talks and shits on the 90s horror. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, there was nothing good that came out in the 90s. Bullshit. There was a bunch of good shit that came out in the 90s. And oh, yeah. And, and I also, one thing that I took away from the older one was that she actually had a past life with him and they were lovers. And um, I thought that was really cool too, to bring that element into the story. Yes. Candyman is a love story. Yes. Um, So what did you rate 2021 Candyman? I, I give this a 3.5 out of five. Now on a, if I rewatch it in the future, we'll see if that changes. Well, right on. All right. My day 22 was I picked um, my last 2021 watch. And that was The Night House with Rebecca Hall. That was uh, a good one. <laughs> uh, this is Dan's favorite movie of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not mine. I'll be honest. Um, I think it's a very well-done film. Um, I think it's creepy. Um, It has a good message at the end. Um, I don't want to spoil it because it is new, you know. Um, I mean, Rebecca Hall did a phenomenal job. Um, There's a part where she's being drugged, I will say that, and it's really creepy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some really, really fucking cool imagery. I think this is going to have to be one that I rewatch as well because I just didn't get what, like, Dan's, like, disappointed in me because I didn't feel the same thing. But I also had my, you know, Jules has a cough, so she was, like, hacking the last five minutes of the movie. So it's kind of really hard to, like, be in touch with an emotional horror movie when your dog is hacking in your ear. (laughs) Uh, 
So I, I, I may go back and rewatch it. Um, I, I still feel like I got the gist of it. Like there was this really cool imagery shot of when she was in the bathroom. You know what I'm talking about? And this film, it's it's very dark, and I, I really do appreciate the story of it. I just I wasn't like blown away with the ending, I suppose. But like I said, I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But um, Dan gives it a five out of five. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really liked it, and this was one of those movies that I feel does give hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With how it ended. Yeah, I don't want to, like, go into themes of it or anything, because I feel like this one is best um, served um, blind. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I was really surprised by the ending, and um, it, it is pretty intense, The in, like, as you're, like, waiting to see what happens. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I, I would have seen this one in the theater. Yeah, I watched this at night while all by myself. Anthony didn't watch this one with me. Well, I give it a four out of five, so that's not bad. No, that's actually really good. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just not, I'm not on Dan's excitement level with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my day 22 watch. Day 23. For day 23, I watched a cannibal movie, which is my least favorite genre of horror i went with the recommendation from you lacy with bone tomahawk <laughs> <laughs> it was filmed in 2015 this was a first time watch it has an imdb rating of 7.1 out of 10 is directed by s craig zoller and it was filmed in the usa This story follows this group of men who they come together because one of the men's wife, she gets abducted. So they kind of go on this journey to go rescue her. But what they don't realize is that the people that abducted her are these cannibal Indians who live in this like (laughs) cave yeah this concrete cave and you have no idea that this is a cannibal film until probably the last 30 minutes of the film and I didn't really like this and it wasn't (laughs) and it wasn't even really because it was a cannibal film it was because it I mean it's a Western as well. And I am not a big fan of Westerns. I do have a few that I enjoy. So I'm not going to completely just say that I dislike the genre altogether. But what didn't work for me is that this film focused a lot on human connection in the film, which is something that I appreciate. And I think that needs to be in all films, but for some reason I did not feel connected to any of these men I just did not care at all about their stories and when it got to the end of the film and there is one scene in here that's pretty brutal which actually involves the same guy from the movie that you just watched the night house 
he's in this film too. And the scenes with the cannibals that they, well, basically I think it was just that one scene. Like you said before you recommended this, this is very mild. So if you do want a mild cannibal Western, this <laughs> this is your go-to. <laughs> but for me, I just, it wasn't for me. I give it a two out of five. See, I thought it was very well done, and that's why I suggested I had to watch it for another podcast um, earlier in the year, and I wasn't looking forward to it at all, and then it opens up with who other than Sid Hag and David Arquette, so I'm sold right there, and then you get Patrick Wilson, you get Kurt Russell, you get um, Richard, oh God, what's his last name? Uh, he's in Cabin in the Woods. Um, you get Matthew Fox, I mean, it has a pretty stacked cast. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked the journey. I didn't know it was going to happen. So um, I really liked it. And I'm not a big fan of cannibal films. So I thought it was very well done. And I don't like Westerns either. I'll be the first to say it. Like I had to watch this one last year called Dead Birds. And that was fucking stupider than shit. Um, But a lot of people seem to like that. But this one was a lot better and well done. Um, I liked the setting, surprisingly. Um, And, yeah, usually I'm not all about the horse shit. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I liked it. Um, Yeah. But I'm sorry you didn't. No, that's okay. I still have an open mind when it comes to movies. And Anthony laughs at me because I pronounce Western West churn. <laughs> he goes, did you Grandma re- Sandy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, did you really just call it a West churn? <laughs> Western. It's a Western. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So my day 23 is um, I picked a blind spot. Um, now, this fell into the weekend where I did Kill Count weekend. And what I did during that weekend is uh, my friend Craig does it every year. So I thought it would be fun to do. Um, I decided to just watch a shit ton of horror movies and count how many deaths total in all of the horror films that I watched for that weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was fun because I chose all movies I had never seen before. And uh, so this was my blind spot watch. And I got this actually from my Secret Satan, which is a thing that we do on uh, Facebook every year. Um, It's like Secret Santa, but for Halloween. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, you send over your list and then you get a bunch of movies. So this movie that I picked was one of the ones my secret Santa, Dave Parker, secret Satan, sorry, um, got me um, for that. And it was Brain Scan. And he also got me um, a Pop Funko of Barbara with and from Beetlejuice with her face is like all elongated. Aw. And then he got me Urban Legends Blu-ray. Urban Legend Blu-ray, uh, Cherry Falls Blu-ray, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I know I'm missing. Oh, Alice, Sweet Alice, which I watched this weekend, uh, that same weekend as well, and uh, the Scream 4K. So, That's really cool. Yeah. So he did a really good job, and he didn't even have to go all out on that. But uh, thank you, Dave Parker, if you're listening to this, because you kick ass. Um. <laughs> And so Brain Scan had been one that I'd always seen at the video store, but I never like like it's a it's a very cover um, that I remember walking around like Blockbuster, Family Video, Hollywood Video, wherever it was. It, I just always seen the cover, but I never um, rented it. And then I seen people like always post memes with um, the trickster, which is the main villain in that movie. Um, 
And I had no idea Edward Furlong was in this movie. <laughs> it is very, 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 very 90s. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you would have fun with it. I don't think you've seen it either. I hadn't even heard of it. <laughs> no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you would enjoy it. Um, it's about this kid, Edward Furlong, who somehow gets access to this video, virtual reality video game. And what happens is... Um, Trickster says there's four levels, and so in each level, one, like, uh, it gets worse and worse as it goes along. So the first level, like, he kills somebody, but he didn't realize it was real. Mm-hmm. And so then it is real, and then he keeps showing up at, like, all the crime scenes and stuff, and, like, he's trying to figure out how to beat the trickster. And it's just a lot of fun. Like, I think we would have loved this movie growing up with it. I really do. I think we would have watched it all the time. If we had seen it back in the 90s. Yeah, I, I, I believe we would have showed it at slumber parties, or at least I would have anyways. Um, but I think you would have enjoyed it, too, because we had similar horror taste preferences when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Is this one of Kev's faves? I think Kev does appreciate this movie. <laughs> but um, it yeah, sounds that, like a Ke- it sounds like a Kevin movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I think. Yeah. Is Maybe it like hack- I, huh? Is it like hackers? I wouldn't say it's like hackers at all. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that laugh was just there. That was a really nervous laugh. That was weird. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck was that, Lacey? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> been hanging out with Dan Chase too long. Um, yeah, so uh, I give this one a four out of five. That's high. It was fun. Like, I, I'll probably put it in my rotation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, day 24. Okay, for day 24, I we I mean, we had a challenge to watch three films from 2021. This was my final 2021 film, and I watched Censor. This was a first-time watch, has a rating of 6 out of 10 on IMDb, directed by Prano Bailey Bond, filmed in the UK. I absolutely loved this film. This film is about this woman who is a film censor so she watches horror movies and if there's a scene that is too gory or too like sexually explicit she will remove it from the film and this definitely has like that VHS vibe that is really cool and like the way that it's edited is really really cool but She also has this personal story going on where her younger sister went missing when she was like seven years old. So there's that dynamic of trying to figure out what happened there. But it's just like this really remarkable balance between dark and light. And it really is, in a sense, a metaphor for censoring the shadow self, which is Basically, everything within us that we want to repress down, like anything that we think is a flaw about ourselves, an imperfection about ourselves, instead of integrating those things, um, hiding them in the shadows. And so I feel that this is very metaphorical in the sense of things that have been censored in the world, censoring oneself, censoring dark aspects of oneself. And this film 
really shows the balance between dark and light and like the ending completely blew me away. I loved this. This was a five out of five. Is it your favorite watch? You know, um, I don't know if it's my favorite watch. I when I, after I watched it, I was like, yes, this is. But I've watched some a few after that that I actually feel similar about. So I don't know. It'll be a toss up what my favorite is. Hmm. Yeah. No. Um. I know Derek likes this movie a lot, but he said, which well, his new favorite is Antlers, and I wasn't that like it was a decent movie. It just didn't move me. Um, I think you might like it, but um, I know that censors up there, so I'm curious if I'll like this because me and Derek are like 50-50 on whether when we like something or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you also you and I we don't always enjoy the same stuff either. So, uh, yeah, this one will be hit or miss for you, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check it out, probably, because we got to do our top 10 for Slumber Party in two months, so. Yeah, I do definitely recommend it. For sure, give it a, a watch and see if it is something that you like. I thought it was really cool. Right on. Well, it's on my list, so I know I'm probably going to have to check it out before the end of the year, because someone's probably going to put it through for that, so. Mm-hmm. So, probably just watch it sooner than later um all right yeah, for me day 24 mm-hmm. this also fell across hill count weekend and this i chose an alien film and i chose alien <laughs> <laughs> um no it didn't have to be from the franchise it just had to be something involving aliens obviously but i'd never seen this and i thought that you know since we debated, we've given Ripley the award. Um, I still need to see the other ones to fully figure out if she's deserving of that, because just based off of this film alone, I don't think so. Um, no. I, we give her this award, and, I, I, you know, like, I mean, it's a great movie, and, you know, she's she is awesome. Uh, no one's denying that, but to put her in the category of final girl, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, why do you feel like I still believe what I said in our podcast in regards to that everybody else on the list was way more grounded in reality, mm-hmm. and this she's fighting fucking aliens. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I still have to see the other ones to figure out. You know, yes, she does survive this movie, but that's basically all she kind of does in it. It's just she's surviving. So you don't think she belonged on the final girl list? No, um, not after this movie. Probably maybe after the second one, which I hear everybody likes a lot more, is the Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bet she does a lot more damage in that film. Um, but just based off of you know one film, no. Yeah. Um, I I mean. Sydney's killed a lot of motherfuckers and those were in reality, you know, and I think that might be a little bit harder than, I don't know, like more, it's more believable, I guess. (laughs) Well, we have a fifth movie coming out, so there might be even more. Right. I'm hoping like, I know people want her to die. And like, if you say that to me, you're just dead to me because what other, what other horror film has had a final girl survive 
five fucking movies. This is true. Like, I, like you want to talk about, like, female empowerment. That's empowering to me. I don't know. Like, I just think it's cool, and I, I hope that she does survive. I do. Um, well, well, if she doesn't, it better be, like, the best kill-off ever. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about that, Nikki. <laughs> like, what are you doing right now? Like, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> well, you don't like well, to when she's emotional. No, I, I'm rooting for her. I want her to thrive. Right. But I'm, <laughs> all I'm saying is, is that they do decide to do that, then it better be awesome. <laughs> I have no comment. Um, back okay, to I, take, I take back what I said. You should. Now you put that out <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> That's true. And, and I'm not very happy with you now. Um, <laughs> now I've been... I've, I've been dead to you so many times, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Especially on our upcoming episode of uh, episode 10 of the Sloan Party Massacre. Nikki is definitely dead to me after that one. Um. (laughs) No, seriously, like, while we were recording that, I I said what I needed to say for what I was, um, I picked one over the other in the debate, and, like, your computer, like, zonked out or something it was literally like I was dead to you <laughs> like I might leave that in I have to go back like, I haven't edited it yet but um I might leave that in if it sounds okay <laughs> like no seriously it was like I was literally dead to you like you didn't say anything like <laughs> no my internet went out <laughs> that day was annoying me my internet kept going out like nothing's more frustrating than when you're trying to like record and talk your thoughts and then like internet connection lost <laughs> um but back to alien um i think i actually really like this movie i think the first 20 minutes uh were a little long it had a nice surprise um with the dude being the robot um i didn't see that coming at all so now I kind of understand, like, Jason Goes to Hell and Leprechaun in Space. Or not Jason Goes to Hell, but uh, Jason X and Leprechaun, where they're getting these ideas of, because this is a great sci-fi movie, and they're trying to make this a great sci-fi horror movie, and they just fail on every level. But um, Alien uh, did it well. Um, it is a little long in parts. Like, this dude is looking for a cat for, like, 20 fucking minutes. <laughs> um, you know, I did jump at one part, which... Um, the fact that this film was made in 1979 and that it's over 40 years old and looks this good on the screen is amazing. Um, so I got to give it props for that. And, you know, I did appreciate this story and the alien um, looks really fucking cool. Um, there's one like the little alien made me laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't take anything away from this film. It didn't do anything wrong. It's a five. You give it a five. I do. It was a, it's a very well done made movie. Um, yeah. I, the, my only thing is like if Ripley should have even been on considered to be on our top 10 list, but we reformatted our list a lot differently now. <laughs> of mm-hmm. how it, as opposed to just naming and which ones fall, you know, was so, she a bad, was, was she a badass in it? I, like I said, she's just surviving. Like there's not like a whole lot. Um, I I need to see aliens before I can tell you if I think she's a badass or not. Okay. But based off of that movie, not really. 
I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me. Whatever. I don't care. I'm talking. She's going up against Sydney fucking Prescott. She needs a more impressive resume than one alien. But it's still a five, even though you didn't really. It's a different it's a different kind of movie to me. This doesn't feel like a horror movie at all. Mm hmm. Like, in my opinion, it, it feels like a sci-fi movie. And I know that those counter-intertwine with each other, but, um, like, it's just in a different type. It's not a slasher. Like, the all the other things that we debated pretty much on those Final Girls, those were all slashers. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like Ripley should have even been put into that category is what I'm saying for that Final Girl segment. Like, now if you want to do Best Bitches in Space. Yeah, I guess it would need to be... Oh, like, it depends on, like, I guess, final girls from just slashers, final girls from, like, what you just said, space. Maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't really compare. She's going up against an alien. and these other girls are going up against, like, you know, okay. regular normal people. Um, so, I, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel, it, it felt, it feels out of place in my mind. Got it. That's all. All right. Day 25 for you. Day 25, I watched a movie about pregnancy. I chose False Positive from the year 2021, first time watch. This actually has the lowest IMDb rating out of everything that I watched. It was a 4.7 out of 10, directed by John Lee and filmed in the USA. And I'm actually surprised at the IMDb rating because I loved this film as well. It affected me emotionally in a way that I wasn't anticipating. So it follows this woman and her husband, and they've been having issues trying to get pregnant. It's a dream for them to have a child together. So they go to a doctor to help with fertility. And the doctor is played by Pierce Bronson, And you can already feel like that there's something off about him. The way that this movie is done, it's done in layers. And it really, I think it, what it does well is it does show like all the types of fears that women go through with the pregnancy process and especially fears um, for those who have had issues with, you know, conceiving and just this very, it, it unravels in this story that you, you just don't know what it's going to unravel into. And there was a lot of awareness in this film, especially about narratives around pregnancy. And there was even this quote in the film that just really stood out to me. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was, does your doctor claim to know more about your body than you do. And I was like, let me think about that. Like, I never really put that into perspective before. And it was just interesting because that's what this woman goes through in this film. And it it, it definitely goes to places that you don't think it's going to go. And it, it definitely is not an easy watch, especially for women who have had struggles with pregnancy or trying to get pregnant and just that process and just how this movie plays a lot on the dynamic 
of how certain men in the world have kind of taken control over certain narratives and the ending when that happened some people might when they watch this think okay that was really cheesy but I really felt the message loud and clear and I cried for about 20 minutes after it was over like it really hit home with me and I don't know if that's because of course I'm a woman but I don't think that that matters if you are digging into the film for the message itself I think anybody can appreciate it in that way and I it really did leave an impact on me and I'm very surprised to see it has the lowest rating because I give it a five out of five yeah that's definitely one that I want to check out I wanted to talk about like other films I was almost gonna pick it because you uh were so high on it um Mm -hmm. because I still had my pregnancy film to watch as well but I just didn't um Mm -hmm. But I will definitely probably watch it before we do top tens or whatever. So five out of five, eh? Yeah, I I really appreciated what this what this movie was trying to get across, and um, it does it does have a similar a feel to it, like. I don't want to compare the two films in sense of story, but more in like terms of feelings like anger, like like Candyman angered me and this film angered me too. So they're they're definitely not movies that are meant to make you feel good. They're meant to open your eyes about things that have been going on in the world and to get you to question certain stories. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll definitely check out false, ugh, false positives soon. Yeah, I I do recommend it. Do you? <laughs> I do. I'm not sure how you will take it, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. If you could only say to recommend one film for me to watch, me specifically between censor and false positive, which one are you most curious about my opinion on? False positive. I think you'll like censor better, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on false positive. Right on, sister. All right. Day 25 for me. Sorry, I was counting. (laughs) Um, I watched my last 1970 film. Mm Mm-hmm. From the year 1970. And that was Scream and Scream Again. Hmm. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> this one had Sir Christopher Lee. It had Vincent Price. It had Peter Jane. Um, There was a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> um, it had um, Peter Cushing. Um is like jog like it opens with him like jogging and (laughs) the next thing you see him like he's in a hospital bed and he lifts up the covers and he's missing a leg he goes ah (laughs) 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 and you can tell like it's just like his leg underneath his thigh (laughs) but um then the middle of the movie happens and it comes back to him like he's barely in it but then, like, it comes back to him, like, in the middle of the movie, and he's back in the hospital bed, or he's still in the hospital bed, and the nurse comes in, and then she leaves, and then he open, he lifts up the blanket again and realizes that his other leg is now amputated, and he goes, 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah. So that's going on. There's a mad scientist in it. There is this other dude that is like a vampire killer, or, or he's a vampire. Like, well, they call him like he drinks girls' blood. Like, there's just a lot going on in this movie, and it was a little hard to follow at times. Um, <laughs> but um, apparently it's a cult classic, and people seem to really love it. Um, Vincent Price goes really off the rails in the final act, um, and that was kind of fun to watch. But overall, I probably won't ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a two. We can move on. <laughs> Scream and scream again. Never again. Which is interesting because your favorite movie of all time is Scream. But Scream and Scream Again is just not jiving with you, huh? No, the poster arc is really cool, though. I will say that. <laughs> Day 26. Yeah. I also watched my final movie from 1970. <laughs> it was called How Awful About Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. This was a first time watch. It was a made for TV film directed by Curtis Harrington, filmed in the USA, and it has an IMDb rating of 5.8 out of 10. This actually stars Anthony Perkins. And in the beginning of the film, there's like this house fire, and his father dies in the house fire. And it's a very traumatic experience for him. And he becomes, like, his eyesight becomes distorted. So he he's not, like, completely blind, but things are, like, blurry. And he's, traumati- he's traumatized so much that he goes and spends some time at a mental hospital. So the film shows that first scene. And then it goes into him coming back to his sister's house to stay with her while he attempts to regain his eyesight. But it's like this descent into madness where he starts to hear like this man's voice, like whispering to him. And you really come into the knowledge about why things are so awful for Alan. And he... Like, there's this scene with his ex-fiance. Apparently, before the situation took place, they were supposed to get married, and then he called the wedding off. And she's still very much in love with him. And she takes him out to get out of the house, and he's sitting in the car. She's running into the library to return the books, and he hears this voice, Alan, Alan. (laughs) And, and, And he's blind. So he gets into the driver's seat of the car and starts driving this car blind and he crashes into a tree. Like <laughs> he, I don't know what like compelled him to get into the driver's seat to drive. It it was just like, I guess this moment of fear where it was like the voice was with him in the car. So I don't really know where he thought he was driving to, to get away from the voice. But I guess there's a lot of subtext to this that I just did not pick up on while I was watching it. Um, The ending does have a semi-decent little plot twist, 
but I just wasn't feeling the story. And Anthony Perkins was very comparable to Norman Bates in this. What was this called? How Awful About Alan. That's like a tongue twister. I know. (laughs) But, I, I mean, if you look up some, like, reviews or like commentary on the film. I guess it it actually is like subtext about him being gay and like having like issues with his father when he was a kid. I I mean I could see that I was as I was watching it, but it doesn't really like exude that. So I wasn't 100% sure that that's what it really was about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was the 70s, so things were definitely underlying and, you know. Yeah. Um, I I, I thought that concept was cool, but the execution, I mean, I think could have been done a little bit better. But also it was in the 70s where, like you said, things were done differently then. So what would you rate it? I gave this a two out of five. So, 1970s overall, what was the best out of the three? Well, I had How Awful About Alan, Bigfoot, and Soon the Darkness, which, and Soon the Darkness was definitely the best out of the three. I had Scream and Scream Again, um, The Vampire Doll, and Multiple Maniacs. Mm-hmm. Um, The best was probably the vampire doll, but the one that, like, I'm going to remember everything about is Multiple Maniacs. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's a giant fucking cockroach. (laughs) It's so ridiculous, and it's John Waters, so. Um, So, for that one, Multiple Maniacs wins that. Um, Did you do all your 2021 watches? Yes, did you? Yes. uh, The Night House, Halloween Kills... And The Columnist. Mine was Censor, Halloween Kills, and There's Someone Inside Your House. My favorite 2021 watch was The Columnist. Mine was Censor. Well, there we go. Day 20, we on day 26? Yeah, for you. Okay. Um, All right, I chose Urban Film for this day. And Urban or Hood film, and I chose Vampire in Brooklyn. Nice. Now, I had never seen this, like, all the way through. Like, I'd seen, like, bits and pieces of it, but never, like... And this is another Wes Craven film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's weird that, like, he's, like, my favorite director, but I haven't seen, like, half of the things that he's done, apparently. Um, but, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was fun. Um... It definitely feels like coming to America vampire style a little bit. Um, like, <laughs> um, Eddie Murphy um, definitely goes into costume again, and he's several different characters throughout the movie, and one of them is a priest or a preacher, and he goes to church, and, like, <laughs> he just wreaks havoc there. Um, I don't know what it is with him in church places, because he did the same thing in coming to America. Um, I definitely felt like his character from that. Um, it, it's a very extra film, but I thought it was fun. Like, there's this, he turns this guy into a ghoul. Uh, um, so this dude, um, keeps, like, losing his body parts as the movie, like, goes on. <laughs> and 
and I don't know, like he was my favorite part. He's definitely the standout. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of funny lines. Like this one dude tries to like go stake him and he stakes him in the stomach instead. So Eddie Murphy like pulls out the stake and like he's educating the guy that tried to stake him. He goes, this is my stomach. This is my heart. This is my stomach. This is my heart. And I don't know. It was just really funny because, you know, it's <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, um, it was definitely different to see, like, you could feel Wes Craven's aesthetic um, in it. And you could feel, um, you know, Eddie Murphy's as well. Wes Craven didn't write this one. Um, he just directed it. Um it was a. It was supposed to be a lot scarier, apparently, but I I can't remember what exactly happened. But it was definitely not supposed to be as comedically scary or as comedic. Um, but yeah. Right on. I I have seen that, but I don't remember much about it. I would have to revisit it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I don't know if you would like it, honestly. But why? Uh, huh? Why? Why? Well, I don't know. Why do you think I won't like things? I just have a feeling. But then again, I thought you might enjoy Bone Tomahawk, and you didn't at all. So, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> You're like, why? You're like getting offended. <laughs> like, I don't I'm know. I'm not. I'm not offended. I just, I just wondered, like, what was it in the film that you didn't think that I would like? Because I know there was probably an element in there that you probably thought I would get offended by, and that's why you think I wouldn't like it question mark oh. oh um no nothing like that i just like I, I i just don't think that it's your kind of movie maybe i don't know like it, there's it's nothing a, like there's nothing that like was over the top that i would think you'd be offended by or anything like that i just don't know if like tonally it's the kind of film you would like well it's a vampire film i love vampires i okay. love west i love west craven i love eddie murphy there's three things there. I might love it. I doubt it. So go watch it and then come back and tell me. Okay. I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How awful about Alan. Um, <laughs> all right, what's your date um, so that movie was awful. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't awful. It just wasn't that good. Um, Number 27 was to watch a movie from the year mom was born. She was born in 1965, and I came across this little gem called Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. First time watch, directed by Freddie Francis, filmed in the UK, has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. The name of it's Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. And this film is awesome. Like, I did not anticipate loving this as much as I was going to. It's about these five men who are traveling on this train. And this elderly man comes into their car. And he he says that he is a fortune teller. He reads tarot cards and asks them if they want to have their fortune told. So they all agreed to this periodically throughout the film as it goes on and basically he tells them the story of how they're going to die through the tarot cards and it's like set up like and it was awesome like there's a story about werewolves a story about vampires a story about a haunted hand 
a story about killer plants. And it was just really, really cool. Oh, and the the final story was like about voodoo magic. And there's also like this really cool montage or not really a montage, but like a scene where um, in one of the stories where there's this band playing and they're singing this song called everybody's got love. And it was just like catchy. (laughs) I found myself like singing it along with them. Like I felt the heart of this film and it, it also has uh, Donald Sutherland in it. He plays one of the the men on the train. And I found this on Tubi. And it was a solid anthology. I definitely would want to watch it again in the future. I give it a five out of five. Oh, wow. Yeah, I it really loved it. The tarot cards, Nikki. Well, I saw that, that <laughs> I saw that, that that was an element from the description before I watched it. And I was like, okay, well, I might jive with this. Now, I didn't know it was like an anthology. But as it opens up, it was... I found myself like wanting to know what was going to happen and it was very intriguing. And for that time, 1965, this is a solid horror film. You know, it's funny because um, one of my favorites out of the watches that I did was also um, the year that from dad was born, which was 63, which was dementia 13. And, you know, I really liked that movie and you really like this one from 65. But we weren't that keen on the films from 1970. <laughs> no, maybe we need to maybe explore need more to films in the 60s. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really like this one a lot. I will have to check that one out. Free on Tubi. Free on Tubi. Day 28 for me. Um, I chose vampire films. So I did back-to-back vampire films. Did you uh, say you're... Did you say your move 27? Your movie 27? Um, let's see. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. Oh, 27. Sorry. Day 27. Yeah, it's still a vampire film. I'm just off with my counting. <laughs> um, I chose Jacob's Wife. It is a film from 2021. Um, I really liked this film. Um, I liked the concept. I liked the the message. I liked the gore. I liked the practical effects. I liked that it was kind of like a nod to Nosferatu a little bit. Um, This is about a woman who's married to a preacher and they um, like just he's kind of like controlling. It's Barbara Crampton is the wife and um, she's sick of just being known as Jacob's wife, you know, and she ends up like kissing this guy and it turns her into a vampire. And um, so like through the movie, she's like progressively like changing and she's completely different than what she used to be. And her husband doesn't really like it, but he's still doing whatever he can to try to help her. But he wants to have her change back. Like, so the, the, the premise is uh, he wants his wife back. So he's going to go kill like the head vampire to change her back. And the thing is, she doesn't want to go back to the way things were. And um, that's the premise of the film. And I just I really dug it for that aspect. Cool. cool. So, I mean, I, I found it relatable, um, you know, because I've been called that before. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm a person. My name is Lacey. I'm not just somebody's girlfriend. I'm not just somebody's sister or daughter or whatever. My name is Lacey, you know? Mm. Yeah. 
Like, so I just, I thought I really liked the message behind that. And um, she did a really phenomenal job in it. And the practical effects were amazing. And I definitely recommend it. I give that one a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned that because remember when we took uh, Shelly out for breakfast, our waitress actually remembered all of our names. And it, it really is a known fact by you know, remembering people's names, people feel valued when you do that. And it lets you know that you, you see and you hear them. And yeah, just to say the names of people that you're talking to is a great way of epitomizing human connection with each other. Yeah, nobody wants to be like objectified or known as, you know, like we're all individuals. And that's how we should be treated. Absolutely. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think you'd like that one, too. Jacob's Wife? Yep. Okay. All right, what's your next pick? Number 28 was watch a movie that takes place in a mortuary. I chose The Mortuary Collection from 2019. This was a first-time watch directed by Ryan Spindle, filmed in the USA. 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. I really enjoyed this. And I was in the mood for another anthology after the awesome one that I just watched. And this follows the owner of a mortuary who is played by Clancy Brown. And this young girl comes to the mortuary looking for a job. And the dynamic between the two, it leads to the situation where she wants him to tell her stories about things that have happened in the town and whatnot. And these stories were actually pretty clever. My favorite one was the one about the frat guys. And the reason why this one resonates with me so much is because I used to see someone who acted a lot like the main character in this story. And this isn't like me being a victim or anything, but he he was not the nicest to me. (laughs) And to see this story where the roles were reversed, I was like, fuck yes. (laughs) Like it made me feel empowered to watch that. And the rest of the stories, they have this fantasy element, and I thought that it was really well done. And I loved how the stories were unique, and there did seem to be a theme of female empowerment throughout all of them. And, like, in the final story, I won't say how it ends, obviously, but it's this, it's basically the like the girl who comes to the mortuary, it's like her own personal story. And she she's babysitting in this house and this like creepy man gets into the house, but she's like a badass. She like fights him off like throughout the whole story until you you learn how the story really ends. But like this was all about female empowerment and I thought it was really, really cool. And it, it definitely was a trend throughout all the stories. Yeah, I watched that one last year. Um, I really liked that one, too. Another anthology, um, if you haven't seen it, that I enjoyed, that I watched for 31 Days last year, 
Um, it was Clive Barker's Book of Blood. A lot of people didn't like it, but I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Mm-hmm. So if you're into anthologies, definitely check that one out, too. What was that called? Book of Blood? Yeah. And it was a Clive Barker? Yeah. Cool. So done by the same... Guy who did Hellraiser? Oh, cool. Right on. I gave this, uh, the Mortuary Collection, a four out of five. Yeah, I think that was my score last year, too. Mm-hmm. It's fun. That This is a solid anthology. Um, For my next day, um, I chose... Uh, Morgan Mortuary as well for the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my most anticipated watch. I was really excited to watch this one because it was on a list. <laughs> um, and this one was called Night Watch. Um, this one, I believe it's Netherlands, but it was like I had it was a subtitled film. Um, it wasn't dubbed or anything. Um, but it was remade for America and um, or the U.S. and um, I didn't watch that version. I watched that one so I could hit my challenge. This this one had me hit the six out of the country. So <clears throat> um, this came out in 1994. And <clears throat> it's about this guy who gets a job working overnights in the morgue. Like he has to like go and check, um, check the bodies, um, make sure that nobody's in the morgue at night you know um so like he does his walk arounds and things like that and he has a girlfriend and he has a best friend and him and his best friend start to play this game of where like they're like daring each other to do things and it gets a little out of hand but there are murders this uh there's a murderer out there and um girls are being like scalped to death and um he becomes like the prime suspect. So it's a bit of a whodunit and um, it was fun. The ending is absolutely ridiculous. I don't want to spoil it for those that haven't seen it. Cause I think a lot of people will have fun watching this, but it's very, the ending is very, very silly. Um, but I had fun with this. Um, yeah. I give this a four out of five. It sounds cool. Yeah. I I'm excited to check out the um, U S version with Ewan McGregor. Mm. What year did that come out? 97. Hmm. That's a 90s film. Uh, Night wa- th- this one came out in 94, and then the American versionized one came out in 97. Right on. So, yeah, that was my pick for day 28. For day 29, I watched a clown movie. I chose It Chapter 1 from 2007, and this was actually one that I had. I had a difficult time picking a clown movie. I actually did get a recommendation to watch Stitches, and I did attempt to watch that, but I shut it off because it just wasn't for me. So I did attempt to watch it but I just didn't like it. So I decided to watch uh, It Chapter One because I knew that I liked the Pennywise story. This follows the the book by Stephen King called It, and it's a remake of the 90s made-for-TV movie It, and it's about these children in this town called Derry 
and this sinister clown that lives in the sewers has been picking off the children of the town and feeding on their fear and just killing them. And this group of kids, they are actually a lot more alike than they're not because they they deal with all these bullies in this town, but they come together and they form these really powerful friendships with one another. And that's what really makes this film work the the friendship that they have they are well they were called the losers club but there's like a very cool scene where um eddie he broke his arm and he's wearing a cast one of the girl bullies wrote loser on it and later on they override it and it, it's called lover so that's why this film did as well as it did it's because of the human connection within a deeply terrifying horror story. I definitely do like the 90s version better. I think Tim Curry brought something more creepy to Pennywise than Bill Skarsgård did. I think he still did a really good job, and I thought this was well done. But re-watching it again, I, I do think that they did try to put more on the special effects than they did towards the story itself, because that's what made the film in the nineties work so much better was all of the moments with the children when they were by themselves and their situations that they had with Pennywise, those were all like terrifying. And you were, you were excited to see what their interaction was going to be. And in this one, it, it, it kind of feels like a letdown when you see the dynamic with Pennywise and the children. It doesn't have the same the same feel, and it, it didn't feel as scary for some reason. But um, I'm not a big fan of clown horror movies, but this is definitely one that I I do enjoy. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with this one. You know me; I walked out on it. <laughs> Was I with you? Yes. Remember we had the paper boats and all that? Yeah, I think there was probably, like, how much was left in the movie? Like 20 minutes. Yeah. What what caused you to walk out? I don't know. <laughs> um, I was just like, this is fucking stupid, I'm done. <laughs> um, I can't remember the definitive moment of when it happened, but um, I was just like, all right, I can't handle this anymore. Like, I, it just felt like it was, like, trying to be too something that it like I don't I'm very I was very close to 1990s it's one of I was very scared of that movie as a child um it made me oh I don't know like I was afraid of Pennywise and that was going to come up out of the drain I, I really loved the chemistry between the children in that one it felt more authentic to me Mm-hmm. And I don't, there's something sad about it. You know, Jonathan Brandis, uh, John Ritter, Annette O'Toole, like, you know, there's just something about, like, the chemistry between this cast compared to what they did in these other chapters. I, I, it just wasn't as done well to me. Yeah, I feel that it, it felt more authentic with the children in the 90s version as well. So, yeah, what do you rate it? I still really like it. I give it a four out of five. Bleh. <laughs> okay. Well, at least 
A lot of people like this. I'm in the minority, I know. That sounded like Oscar the Grouch. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My day 29 watch, I chose pregnancy horror, or pregnant horror, whatever. Um, I chose Grace, starring Jordan Ladd. Um, I'd seen this movie one other time because I met Jordan Ladd at a convention, and she was really cool, and she told me to check it out, so I did. So, um... I kind of wanted to watch something that I'd already seen before, um, and I liked this film. It's about a woman who um, has had problems getting pregnant in the past, and she finally, you know, is pregnant, and she has, is having some complications, so she goes to the hospital and comes back, and um, they're driving home, her and her husband, and um, they get into an accident, and um, the husband dies, and the baby's not moving around so and she is going to give the baby uh give the baby birth uh through a midwife which is i think she had like a relationship with this woman or something i was always really confused on that but um so she ends up giving birth and the baby comes out as like a stillborn and um the midwife goes to like go cleaner go get something to like clean up or whatever and Jordan Ladd's, like, so upset by, like, the baby or whatever, and she's just, like, holding it and crying and, like, trying to get her to, like, latch onto her boob. Mm-hmm. And um, the midwife comes, and she was like, you can't will her back to life. And all of a sudden, the baby's head, like, starts moving, and she starts, like, eating from her nipple. <laughs> like, mm. uh, so she willed the baby back to life. And, um, but the thing is... Um, Grace doesn't really like, um, Grace is like a vampire. <laughs> kind of, like, I don't know what she is, um, but she only likes to drink blood and it, um, gets like completely like out of hands and ridiculous, but I have fun with it. Um, I think a lot of people, I think this is probably underseen and it's on Tubi, I believe. So people should definitely check it out because it's fun and hilarious and also has a, Cool little meaning behind it, I suppose. Okay, when you were talking about the scene with her nipple, I just had a flashback to the movie Eat, where <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you remember the scene where her like it was like she had ate her own nipple. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, both of her nipples. Yes. Dream sequence. Yeah. We didn't talk a... about that on Slumber Party. I know, I know because I I didn't remember it. <laughs> you it, but, you just brought it back to life in my mind by talking about this movie Grace. <laughs> yeah, it, that seems like a Lacey movie then, huh? <laughs> yeah. There's a similar shot at the end of this film as well that looks like that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, if you guys want to hear us talk about the movie Eat from 2013, check out Slumber Party Massacre, which comes out in the middle of this month. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're nearing the end here, Nikki. Woo! Day 30. Day 30. I held off on this prompt for as long as I could. Rewatch, <laughs> rewatch a movie you didn't like the first time you watched it. I initially was going to watch The Witch, but I really didn't want to rewatch that one. And you recommended The Lodge because you said... It was some. It was one you really enjoyed, and I, I had watched this in the theater with Kevin back in 2019, and I did not like it when I watched it. But 
Um, it's directed by Veronica Franz. It was filmed in the UK and the USA and has a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. And this story follows these two children. In the beginning of the film, their mother is speaking to their father. And the father tells the mother that he is going to marry this woman that he's with. And she takes it upon herself to go into the next room and she commit suicide in that in that scene and the next story that unravels here is these two young kids they're in a sense blaming their dad's girlfriend for the the death of their mother they don't like her at all and they find this really creepy footage on the computer about her so the dad has to like go to work for something and he sends his girlfriend and his two children to this lodge in the middle of this like snowy weather and you just feel the tension between the two children and the girlfriend and you you get kind of glimpses into her past and we know that she's taking medication and that um, she has some trauma that she's dealing with. And the things that transpire in the film, this, this is definitely a film about mental health. And the thing that, like, there's two different things here that I took away from it. Like, how there can be strained relationships between children and, like, step-parents. Like, she's not the stepmom yet but her father their father's going to marry this woman and they just don't like her and then there's another dynamic around mental health and I just for the life of me I I guess I don't like the messaging of this um I think that it's important I, I think it does represent the importance of teaching children about mental health more as they at you know to get them into the notion of learning about it more at a very young age because in this film it's represented like almost like a disregard for it or a lack of it and and it's very heartbreaking because you're seeing it from the standpoint of two children and and that's the messaging of the film. I appreciate it, but I just I'm still trying to pinpoint why I don't like it. Like, what is it about this film that I just can't put my my finger on what I don't like about this film? I think maybe it's the way that it was done. Um, it's it's a very sad film. Um, mm-hmm. it's very bleak. Um. Maybe because there is no hope. I know. I can appreciate, like, films don't always have to have hope for me to like them. But I I think that's... Maybe that's why I don't like it, because I, I want there to be that hope. And there's just not? 
Well, actually, there is more than it would appear. It's just a matter of taking power back and realizing how powerful the human mind really is. But also the importance of what we are teaching our children. Well, yeah, who taught those little fucks to do anything? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, that was Alicia Silverstone. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so what did you end up rating it? I gave it a two out of five. Ah! Movie's way better than a two out of five, Nikki. I'm sorry. No, it's This is one we definitely disagree on. No, it's it's a nice... Why do you love it so much? Why? Because maybe I like that there's no hope sometimes. You know, I don't know. Like, I like that, like, that she gets, like, that they took this woman, they dissented her mental illness so much that, you know, like, this is a broken woman. And, you know, she had been through a lot. And I love the flip of the script of that you think that when they're looking up that she was a part of the cult, that maybe she's going to be the villain, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the flip of the script that it's these little asshole children that are the ones that are doing this. I love the emotional mind games that this movie played with me. Um, you know, it's dark. It's depressing. Um, I liked that. I mean, it, it's sad that I like this, but like I liked that the mental descent that these kids caused on her to have and they convinced her you know, th- without technology, without having all these things and they're like stuck in this cabin of how far apart from society one really is without this technology sometimes and this descent into this film and the way that these kids were able to trick her and make her believe that you know she they needed to repent and that um there was no there was nothing else and she they made her believe that she was fucking dead and you know um Oh, is that Silas? Keepers and Silas. Oh. Um, yeah, so, no, that's that's what I liked. And the fact that they were able to do that. And then she, it, and it goes back around on them. And now that she, that now that what they've been trying to get her to believe, she really believes it. And, like, that's just taking, they took it way too far. And, you know that that's the thing you never realize how far you're taking something and they took it way too extreme and it's a very dark depressing movie but um I like it for those aspects yeah I just I think that like in the film they hide her medicine from her like they because they're children they don't know the impact of the trauma that she is going through So I do think that that's what the message of the film is. I think that it's really screaming to humanity that we need to teach children about mental health and about trauma and how to heal from these things. And I think maybe it was the ending. And I I don't think that it wasn't, I don't think that it was the lack of hope. I think it was just I don't know. It felt it felt rushed to me. See, I didn't think- for 
for a film that has such a powerful message, the ending felt rushed. I don't know. I I don't think it did. Like I, I like it didn't show like what happened, but I think that's the point. Like you can you, you kinda know what's coming next, you know, and mm-hmm. I think tastefully done in that aspect that they didn't show what was gonna happen to these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, and I know that it's not possible for everything to be love and light all the time. That's just not the world we live in. And that's actually very reminiscent of the shadow self. The the dark and the light need to be integrated. Well, I disagree with your rating, but I agree with you on that. I. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, day 30 for me. I chose, I put this one out as far as I could. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, Which was giant monster movie or kaiju film. Um, I'm just not a creature pizza pet now. Um, I chose J.J. Abrams' Cloverfield. That's a good one. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate this movie. I hate it. I'm like, I, I don't know, like, I literally, like, I feel like it was on, and I was, like, looking at the screen, but I don't think I computed, like, anything, because I'm just, like, fucking hate this. Um, no, I, I like the actors that are in it. It's got, like, T.J. Miller, Ben Feldman, uh, the Janice Ian from Mean Girls. Um, that's all I can see her as. She did do a great Annie Wilkes in Castle Rock, but yeah. Um... Finally, little bird. Um, but yeah, no, I just I I, I liked Ten Cloverfield Lane, um, but I don't know if that one would have counted as like a giant monster movie. You know, that one's more. Um, this one actually has monsters in it, and so I just went with it, and it was short. It was only an hour and twenty-five minutes. That's why I picked it. I have nothing else to say about it. It gets a one point five from me. <laughs> I just remember the opening scene being really cool. No, Dan loves this movie. I don't get it. I don't get why people are up in arms about it. 10 Cloverfield Lane is a way better movie. And that is that, everybody. Like, I literally have nothing to say about it. Like, I don't know. Like, it was cool when the Statue of Liberty's head, like, got ripped off. We saw that one in the theater, didn't we? I did not. I think I did. But I never have to watch it again, so I'm very happy about that. Hopefully I don't have to watch that again unless it gets picked for, like, a franchise show or something. But, yeah. Cool. All right. We are at the finish line with Day 31, Halloween itself. Yeah, so Day 31, watch a Halloween movie that doesn't have Halloween in the title or is from the Halloween franchise. I went basic here, and I chose Hocus Pocus from 1993. This is a rewatch many, many times over. Directed by Kenny Ortega. Filmed in the USA. Has a 6.9 out of 10. This should be a 10 out of 10. I don't know why that is. This is the best Halloween movie ever made. I don't care what... The haters have to say this movie rocks. This is this follows the three Sanderson sisters, Winifred, Sarah, and 
What's the other witch's name? Oh, Mary. Uh, Mary, yeah. <laughs> Winifred, Sarah, and Mary. And Bette Midler in this film is iconic. Another glorious morning makes me sick. Like, she is just so amazing. And in the beginning of the film, these three witches, they are making this potion to feed off of And they have people, but she, hello? Yeah. But it's like had a reconnection issue. Uh, the townspeople hang the three witches and she, Winifred sets a spell, casts a spell that a virgin would light a candle in the future and that they would return. Well, 300 years later, Max Dennison and his little sister, Danny. He's a little he, eager. <laughs> How many times did I get to tell you my name's not Ernie? It's Ice. Take your candy and get out of my life. <laughs> you watched this on Halloween too, right? I did, but it wasn't my Halloween movie. Ah. Well, the... Max is in love with Allison from school. They go trick or treating her house. Can I ask you a serious question right now? Yeah. Are you really giving the plot of Hocus Pocus? <laughs> I am, and I actually just read the book too. I like the first part of the book is the novelization of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> so this is actually I've read the book and I've watched the movie in the month of October. So, yes, I'm giving the plot of it because maybe there's somebody listening who hasn't seen it and well, actually, this will make them want to watch it. Actually, I think I just had somebody comment, or I had a few people comment, I've never seen it. There's a lot of people who haven't seen this, and you're really doing yourself an injustice. If you didn't grow up with it, like, I don't know. Um yeah. <laughs> no, I've I've actually seen many people say this is the most overrated Halloween film of all time. And I I have to disagree. I think this is the most awesome Halloween film of all time. It is pretty awesome. My favorite quote though is take your candy and get out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think I texted you that the other day. <clears throat> but no, it's just a fan it's a fun family Halloween film. And I watch it every year. Can't recommend it enough. Five out of five. <laughs> Did I ruin it for you? I could continue with my plot. Do you want to continue with your plot? I do. Max Dennison is in love <laughs> with with Allison, okay? She's and got yabos, her. Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, he loves them. <laughs> <laughs> I really love your costume, Danny. I really love yours, too. But I could never wear anything like that because I don't have, what's it called, Max? Yabos? <laughs> Max loves your, likes your yabos. In fact, he loves them. <laughs> Little brat. 
they go trick or treating. They go. They go trick or treating at Allison's house, and they decide to go to the Sanderson sisters' house, where Max lights the black flame candle, and he's a virgin, so the witches come back to life. And from there is the rest of their Halloween night and them trying to fight off these witches and prevent them from taking the souls of young children. But that's what I like about this movie, though. It's like through and through Halloween. It is. Everything about it is Halloween, and it's awesome. Like with the mom as Madonna? I know. (laughs) And dad, you <laughs> wow. Hey, happy holidays. Um yeah, no, it's obviously we can sit here and quote it all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My lucky rat tail. <laughs> We're sorry, we think you're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> and she spin him around. <laughs> Let him Hang him on a hook and let me play with him. Come, little children, I'll take thee away. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Max, for that glorious introduction. <laughs> I love it, too. It's a five out of five for me as well. Um, my 31st Halloween film was also a Halloween film. And I chose Trick or Treat. That's a good one. It's a really fun anthology. Um, it has an awesome cast. I love how all the stories are interconnected. Um, it feels like I just said about Hocus Pocus. It's Halloween through and through. The imagery is great. Um, Mike Dottry also did Krampus. He know this dude knows how to do a holiday horror film. And um, I don't know. I just like really appreciate it. And it's a lot of fun, and it makes me want to carve pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> it it just felt like it embodies the spirit of Halloween along with Hocus Pocus. I and I watched both of those movies back to back. Well, no, actually, I watched Antlers in between there, which I uh, blah. Anyways, um, Trick or Treat, uh, like the like little Sam. He's so iconic. He's so cute. I have a little Sam on my desk. <laughs> he keeps me all day. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I love, I love the, that he's an icon. I really wish we'd get a sequel to this film. Um, you know, I, I liked all of the stories in it. I really did. Um, you know, between the, the principal or whatever, who's like killing kids with, you know, poisoning their candy and the kid from Bad Santa like spews it all up. Um, <laughs> Anna Paquin's story is really cool. Um, you know, where there's a cool transformation with the werewolf scene. Um, yeah, I think it's a great anthology, and um, it's definitely needs to be watched in the month of October. It's a five out of five. Yeah, that's a really good one. Well, that concludes our 31 Days 22 Shot Challenge of October Halloween. Yeah, this was an awesome challenge. I looked forward to watching a movie every single day. And... So I just want to like kind of run through my honorable mentions here. The ones that I really enjoyed that I at least that I gave at least a four or above. Mm-hmm. I loved monster. I loved monster house run hashtag alive one BR in the tall grass. Halloween kills 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Censor, False Positive, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, The Mortuary Collection, It Chapter One, and Hocus Pocus. And your number one being? I think my favorite out of all of these would have to be False Positive. Wow. Mm-hmm. My tops um, that I rated high were 1922, Dementia 13, The Columnist, Terror Train, Hellraiser 2, Scream 4, The Lodge, uh, The Night House, Brain Scan, Alien, Vampire in Brooklyn, Jacob's Wife, Night Watch, and Trick or Treat. With my favorite out of it, um, which was a surprise, um, was uh, The Columnist. Was that your favorite, The Columnist? Yeah. I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah, the description of that one is, Columnist and author Femike is flooded with anonymous nasty messages and death threats on social media. One day she is completely done and decides to take revenge. That sounds like something I would like. Yeah, and, you know, it was, uh, I, God, I can't remember which country it was, but it's a subtitled film. But, um, yeah, I was surprised that, you know, it was not a U.S. pick, um, but I really resonated with the story on that one. I enjoyed it. Um, and then I would say that Nightwatch and Jacob's Wife are, are up there as well for first-time watches. Did you watch any of the bonus watches? No. I incorporated two of them into my 31 days, and I just watched another one yesterday. I watched Lamb, and I watched Halloween Kills, and There's Someone Inside Your House. I started VHS 94. Mm -hmm. I watched the first story, and I was like, I'm done. Didn't I'll like it? I'll, I'll go back and finish it eventually, but um, I did not like the first story, no. Was it just stupid, or was it the message? It was, it was stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what? We have something coming up for October. Or not October. Jesus, I'm still there. See, Halloween hangovers are real. Um, December. Right on, Christmas. Yes, we will be doing fun things. We will be incorporating all kinds of Christmas movies from family-friendly to probably really fucked-up horror ones. <laughs> yep, we're going to create our own challenge. Yeah, is it going to be the 25 days of Christmas? Oh, no, we decided we're going to do 25 days of Christmas and six days of New Year's. Yes. Because, you know, because New Year's needs some love as well. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of New Year's films out there, though, is there? I don't know. Maybe there is. No. Ah, maybe somebody will come out with a loop movie where it's like. Well, maybe our challenge for those last six days should be movies with the word new in the title. We'll figure it out. We will. But thank you, everybody, for following along with us. We're very sad October is over, but definitely look forward to uh, next year. 
because we'll probably do it again. Yep. And we're also so grateful for everyone who listens. Yeah. Uh, For everyone who's been a part of this one, I am Lacey Liu, and that's Nikki Kay. And you will next hear us probably on the Slumber Party Massacre episode 10, which should be out in the middle of the month. So definitely be on the lookout for that one because it's a lot of fun. And we debated some really fun tales from the Crip episodes and me and Nikki get into it. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) for everyone, uh, thank you again. And we hope you had a safe and happy Halloween. As Mary Sanderson says in Hocus Pocus, bye bye. Mm-hmm.